0: One big problem, as we hopefully eventually emerge out of the COVID crisis, is even if we have money, we're going to be reluctant to spend it. So how can the government step up spending? The answer, perhaps, lies in Austria in the 1930s. Can we wriggle our way out of this one? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. So, can we Wurgel our way out of this, in other words? Look, the only reason we're doing this podcast is is for that pun, I have to admit, but we have spoken about this before. The town of Wurgel in Austria, during the Great Depression, issued its own currency, basically because money wasn't, wasn't moving around fast enough, so they issued a currency that lost value over time. I mean, would Is the or demurrage is the uh, is is the term for that? Um, and I guess that, I mean the reasoning behind that is because uh, you people can hoard money, and we're actually seeing that right now, aren't we? The word people who've got money are hanging onto it during this crisis, and that's not helping the the circulation of money. So this is an issue that needs to be tackled if we're going to find our way out of uh, out of COVID nineteen and get the the economy uh, firing up on all cylinders, isn't it?
1: It is, and this is. Um, I mean, there was a, that was an amazing experiment because when you think about, maybe you see how people define money. They say the money has uh, money has to be a, a means of account, so where you measure um, you know, your your financial situation versus somebody else, a means of payment, so it's what you use to buy goods and services, and the killer, it's a store of value. Now. Yeah. This is the problem because if you actually start to regard money, whatever you're calling money, to regard it more as a store of value, that actually undermines it being used as a means of payment. Because if you think Mm -hmm. it's going to rise in value, that's a good reason not to spend. Yeah. Okay. You're actually sacrificing spending, uh, future spending power by spending now. Um, So if you obsess about the the store of value side of whatever you use as your currency, you're in trouble uh, because ultimately you are going to be uh, rewarding people for not spending. And then you have lots of money, but turning over very, very slowly. So the result can be a a stagnant economy. And that wasn't the the cause of the Great Depression, but it was one of the consequences of it. You didn't want to spend. Um, Yeah. And then, and then what the wargle, the currency was, well, here's a currency, if you don't spend it, it disappears. And rather than getting the the runaway inflation effect of uh, the Weimar Republic, the wargle republic uh, was one where people, the the, the demurrage system and the need to spend it or you'll lose it, meant that people were spending and spending the currency. It turned over at a huge rate and it drove unemployment from all the order of 30% of the population down to zero.
0: Yeah, and the argument being, I think, from the the economist who who pushed ahead with that idea in the first place, which uh, got the the attention of the the, the mayor of R- R- Wurgle was that uh, if you have money, it holds value. If you sell vegetables, they rot. If you don't sell them, so really, money should behave like uh, like produce does. And that's the
1: uh, people make the same case about energy that it should be related to energy use and so on. Uh, but mm. yeah, the, the the idea that money is actually something which should decay over time. Uh, is, is an important insight that came out of Silvio Gazelle. And Keynes, Keynes was in, incredibly uh, impressed by Gazelle's argument. Uh, but, of course, the last thing you can do at a, at a with an existing currency is bring in the fact that it's going to decay over time because the people who hold it are going to say, no, no, don't like that. Um, so it doesn't happen. But when you invent a new currency, that can be one of the rules, that if you don't spend it in a certain time, you've got to affix a, 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 a stamp to it uh, and the stab each time you do it falls in value, so you're encouraged to spend rather than hoard. But inflation
0: does the same thing, doesn't it? If you have it does, inflation, yeah. which obviously we don't now, hmm. um, so wouldn't it be easy if we just had some way of getting, if inflation was to pick up, people would start spending because they want to get rid of the money now while it's worth something?
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's why, like, inf- inflation, rather than being the big bogeyman, which is the way the neoclassicals put it across, and also all the, the hard money types and so on, what that actually does is encourage spending. And, and it can it can be – if you have a ludicrous situation of hyperinflation, then, that, of course, that's a breakdown in its own right. But a moderate level of inflation and something of the order of between 2 and 5% per year is enough to mean that you, you're you more encouraged to spend than you are to hoard. And because you're in a system where your spending is somebody else's income, that actually money comes back to you in the sense that once you've spent it, it goes to somebody else who then buys something off, off you. And it you know, a very roundabout way, uh, but it actually encourages more economic activity out of the same amount of, mo- of money. And that was the beauty of the wargel experiment. It wasn't just a local currency. It's a local currency which depreciated if you didn't use it, and therefore you were encouraged to use it, and that drove up overall economic activity. Right.
0: So how did that relate to the uh, so the Austrian uh, shilling? Was it, were they, I'm trying to think what the currency was? Uh, yeah, I, pay, so was, let's I, think,
1: I think it was the shilling. So how check?
0: did it yeah. – well, let's assume I'm right, uh, even though I'm <laughs> invariably wrong. But what does the um, – so how did it – with the local currency, how did how did the exchange work? It could, uh, if you went into a shop and you wanted to buy something and it was 10 shillings, how many Wurgle dollars would it be? Well, I, don't know actual,
1: I, I don't know the actual conversion rate there, but it was something which was – it can initially be Use one way they encourage it was that, again, this is where it comes very much in line with modern monetary theory thinking. It's something the local council would accept in payment of local council rates. And therefore, you had a uh, an encouragement to to buy it. And like my, my good friend, the system engineer, Trun Andresen, has suggested a, a, a similar idea um, that you, uh, for countries like Ecuador, bring in a parallel currency and Maintain, give a discount for using it to buy your taxes, or pay your taxes, in which case it could actually end up being worth worth more than you know, a local currency in that situation uh, because you're buying a discount on your taxes to get it. And then because economic activity in general increases courtesy of that, then that covers uh, you know, the, the revenue problems of the council in the first place.
0: No, but how does paying your tax um, push up productivity? Because that's a leakage, surely.
1: No, but What it means is you... Uh, you've got a currency which uh, you're encouraged to hold because you can use it to pay taxes. You don't have mm-hmm. enough uh, money to... You're not getting enough money in... You know, let's, use, like, let's use the mark as our, our currency here. I'm not sure they're using shillings or marks in Austria at the time, but anyway, uh, say it's the mark. Um, each, each, uh, if you don't get in enough revenue coming in in uh, marks because people are hoarding courtesy of the Great Depression... And the absence of credit-based money and the excessive levels of debt denominated in that currency, you don't have spending in that. But you do. You start accumulating. Uh, people are willing to pay you in. Uh, you're willing to accept payment in the um, in the Worgle uh, currency, the, the scrip, because you have commitments in that, and then you can use that to buy somebody else who's also got commitments in the same. Uh, uh, you know, script currency to the local council and ultimately the, the rate of turnover of the script currency was far higher than the rate of turnover of the mark in mm. the same region but the, 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 the sum of the two meant
0: that we had full employment yeah i mean in fact to such an extent it worked to such an extent didn't it that they were having so much money paid back in uh, in overdue council tax uh, that they started to wonder in fact whether uh, people were um, uh, counterfeiting the, the, the currency because so much of it was coming backwards in fact it was just because it was turning over so quickly
1: yeah yeah and this is the, the big mistake people make in thinking about money is that they they tend to equate the the, the sum of it they have in their possession with the rate of, with the level of economic activity but the the mm. difference between the two is it, the, the sum of the money uh, it's the turnover rate of the money that matters so people think you know you can't pay back any um any um um, debt limit because you've got to pay the interest as well. They're adding the debt in uh, the, the, the interest payments in dollars per year to the debt in dollars, which is just a just a mistake. Um, that 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 thinking gets in the way when we think about a lot of monetary issues. And the beauty of the Wargle experiment was this idea that no, the um, um, we want to encourage the turnover of the the notes, not. Um, the hoarding of those notes and
0: demurrage meant people with no point in hoarding you would lose it. So we t- we've talked in the past about you know how d- d- getting back almost to the idea of uh, sort of like helicopter money, um, but applied maybe through through a debit card. If you if you say. We want to put money directly into uh, into people's bank accounts, uh, and one way we could do that is just you know the uh, the, the the problem is of course as we saw uh, in in Australia when uh, what was in nine hundred dollars was put into uh, into people's bank accounts during the two thousand and eight financial crisis uh, by Kevin Rudd's government, uh, a lot of that went to pay off debt, whereas in fact you know if you had a uh, if you had this sort of approach. Um, well, some of the debt might be good to pay off, but, but basically, you do want people to spend don 't you yeah. we, we 've talked in the past about well, maybe you can, like give everyone a debit card because you know so that 's an easy way of getting government money into into people 's hands everyone gets a preloaded debit card. Uh, and maybe that has a time limit on it, so that increases the impetus to spend. The only problem is it only works for the first transaction, doesn't it? Because if I, if I use that credit card to pay somebody uh, in pounds or Australian dollars or whatever my local currency is, um, then that impetus, impetus to spend is gone, has not it? It goes to the next person. They don't have to spend it as quickly, cause, and they could use it to pay off their, uh, their home loan or, uh, or, or, or hoard it. You, you almost need this other currency to keep that impetus going.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you have a, a, you know, a, a debt overhang, a private debt overhang, any other currency, then people are never going to want to spend it. They're going to, they're, they're, their focus is always going to be in handing it over to the bank. And the point that Irving Fisher made, the a, a typical Ben Bernanke didn't understand, is that a, what Fisher called a man-to-man debt – if I can use the, data, the term, the lingo of the of the generation back in the 1930s, repaying that was very different to paying a debt to the bank. If you pay a debt mm-hmm. to to another person, you transfer spending power from yourself to that other person. And I've got I have literally personal experience of that in recent days. So I don't want to repeat it. Uh, but yeah, if you lend somebody money, that means you haven't got it to spend. Uh, but if you if you pay them back, they've got it to spend and they spend in your place. And and that's yeah. that that's the world of the script currency because. You, uh, it, it never, it wasn't just extinguished by uh, by paying back a debt. It was extinguished by not being used. Whereas the. The uh, monetary currency, the the mark, the shilling, as it was in in Austria's case, the shilling, uh, debts in shilling, if you pay them off, that amount of shilling is destroyed by the act of repaying the debt. Your bank deposit goes down, which is money. The money supply falls. The debt goes down as well. And this is what Fisher identified as one of the major issues that caused the Great Depression, uh, the the fact that repaying the debt actually destroyed money. Now, in the case of this circulating script, it wasn't credit-based at all in the first place there was no debt to be repaid when you paid somebody in shilling in in in, Worgle, in the wargle and actually called the called the note the script, um, that just transferred spending power to that person who also had the same motivation to spend because of the fact that it was uh, depreciating through demurrage
0: yeah. No, they tried to argue. They called a script. They, it, was, it, it was like a certificate, wasn't it? They tried to argue. In fact, it wasn't, in fact, money. You
1: want to avoid it, it to because it. politically, that's the trouble. You, you then cut down on the And that's what actually ended them. Of course, the Austrian Central Bank sued them to stop them issuing the script, won the so court how? case
0: and destroyed the economy. Yeah, and and uh, obviously everyone else was looking at it thinking that's a good idea, and uh, I guess they were worried about whatever the currency was that they were using at the time, whether it was the <laughs> the mark or the shilling. The um, the did you look that up? Do we it's know shilling. the answer to that? It's shilling.
1: It was, yep. I was right. I was right. Hey, yeah, you got there it Rob, yeah, mate. right,
0: mate. Yeah, happens. Okay, happens occasionally. Uh, stay tuned for the next time in a few months. <laughs> um, so, um, but I mean, I just how could we do this then? We could, I mean, is, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting oh, totally. academic. Exercise, could yeah. we do it? I mean, it, it sounds like, particularly in this digital age, creating another currency actually should be relatively easy, shouldn't it's, it? It's extremely straightforward today. I mean, uh,
1: the, the, the difficult thing was that back when the Warburg did this, everything had to be physical. So the way that you maintained the the the, the, the stamp, oh, uh, the, the value of the script was to, you had to buy a, if you didn't spend it, you had to buy a stamp to put on it after after each week, and that would cost you one percent of the value of the of the note. So you're actually losing money to hang on to it, so therefore you'd spend it before that actually happened. But if you had electronic bank accounts, it would simply be, a, a, and you could base it on how long since your last expenditure, how much did you have inside the, in the account to begin with, and both those could be used as factors to affect the demurrage, so you'd be encouraged to get out there and spend that thing faster. And I've just seen, looking in looking at the... Uh, I don't think there's a de- de- decent statistics to actually work this out, but there's a claim from the people who established the Bristol Pound uh that the rate of turnover of the of the of the script was 100 times the rate of turnover at the shilling. So
0: the money goes – so we issue we – issue, I guess we issue a bank card or whatever. We issue a bank account. Everyone mm-hmm. gets a bank account that's got money in it with some way of – a card that they can use against that currency. The currency uh, decreases over time based on how long you've had it sitting in the bank account. Mm-hmm. That should that, that money then starts to circulate through the, through the economy. I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a retailer. I get paid in this currency, but the currency – Aren't I just going to push prices up for that for that currency? If if that if that currency is worth less in a month's time, aren't I going to say, well, okay, in a month's time, it's going to cost you that much more? Well, then
1: I, then you what you get is you, you're putting this in the midst of the Great Depression, and <laughs> the last thing people did um, was put up their prices in mm-hmm. the Great Depression. So uh, you know the the, the circumstances are part of why you didn't get uh, you know uh, people responding to the demarrage by by increasing their prices. Um, and and the same thing would apply um, in a, if you tried it in a more generic sense. I think this is the sort of thing they should do if they uh, if it ever happens on Mars, because at some stage you're going to need a currency there. You don't want to reproduce the hassles of, of a capitalist system. You want the innovative side, not the financial side of capitalism. Uh, you know, have have the Musk being something that depreciates at one at one percent per Martian month, whatever that is. Um, and and therefore that's what
0: you use for spending, and therefore accumulation is almost impossible. Right, but back in the back in the world where we are now, before people have given, I didn't, mm. that's on this planet. On this planet. Yeah, yeah, I know Mars is there now, but it's on it's planet, not very yeah. well occupied. I can't, can't can't understand those people who, who would be, give away their lives to go and live on Mars, knowing that they're never going to come back again. Particularly if they're then told, by the way, your money's going to lose value over time as well. That would just make things worse for you. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon I'm just going to discourage
1: the migration to Mars? Am I? Yeah, Sorry I about just, that, exactly. You that was the Damn. in the coffin as far okay. as I'm concerned. i have to share a joint with them and apologise. <laughs> uh, that, that'll get them through. In a That'll get them
0: through. Uh, so, mm. um, yeah, so I, the only th- thing I'm struggling with on all of this is if you've got items for sale, you've got two currencies running side by side. So say you've got, mm. I do know, what are we going to call it in the pound then? We've got the Johnson uh, or the Boris. We, our new currency is going to be called the Boris, and I've got the Boris and the pound, and the Boris loses... Uh, value um just as boris is losing credibility the boris loses value over time um then but the the pound isn't how how do they sit side by side if you're still shopping in the same shops buying the same things how does that work
1: well a large part of it is because you're putting into a depressed economy uh, where people aren't getting paid enough in, in the actual pounds to begin with, and they desperately want some they want to make some sales, and they can't sell everything at the pound price. They want they're being pushed to pa- forced to push the pr- pound price down. Um, to get business at all. So, like a, a colleague of mine, Trun Andresen, who's a systems engineer uh, based in Norway, has been a great fan of parallel currencies for a long time. And he's been talking about a way you could actually bring one into the Eurozone to overcome the weaknesses of the Euro. And the idea was that you would have a local council or a, a, even an entire country uh, say that they're going to issue this uh, parallel script and the they, they would initially pay all social security uh in um this current like you know, if you pay a hundred euros of social security now you'd pay a hundred euros when the scheme began and you'd throw in 10 uh 10 units of the um parallel currency. It's, it's he calls it epm uh let's call it pem <laughs> rather than boris okay uh, you, you you throw oh hey let's call it a boris okay you'd, you'd pay in pounds and uh, pounds and borises and the the, you, the council would be paying you, or the government would be paying you, a hundred pounds plus ten boresses uh, as your social security, and then when taxes are due, they'd also want payment of taxes in a similar mix, ninety percent in pounds and ten percent in borises. So you had a you had a reason to hang on to the borises and you had to you know, and, and 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 to accept payment as well, because at some point you need that to pay your own taxes. So that's the the modern monetary theory. Uh, aspect of the, of the proposal. Right,
0: but. and then, You carry on, yeah, right? But, uh, but do, 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 do I hope to save yeah. this question for later, maybe. But I thought the idea was that you didn't want people to pay taxes unless this, you wanted people to spend this money.
1: Yeah, well, you can't encourage them to accept it in the first place it has to have some sort of function. And the only yeah. function it has initially is going to be used to pay taxes. This is no. this is a state designed, you know, whether it's the local as it was for Wargall or it's a, a national thing as it could be for the overcoming the euro or. Uh, Weaknesses of the pound. Um, So the the government prescribes, pays first or pays additional over and above the additional original payment in pounds. You don't reduce it. You're you're adding the spending power, and then you require payment back in that same mix. So you've got an encouragement to accumulate some of these borrases as well as accumulating pounds, so that you can pay their taxes and. Uh, then you also require firms to price in both terms, so whereas initially the firms might have been pricing something at one hundred pounds, and they say we 'll work out a new price, and it 's got to be something which is less than which is a, a, comparable to the previous price, so you can make it ninety pounds and ten borises, which is the same as the ratio on which taxes ultimately have to be paid and then what, what you have is a, a free floating exchange rate between the two, but you have people getting spending. They're being paid not just in pounds; they're being paid in pounds and boroughs as well. And there's more economic activity, which is soaking up the unemployed resources. You've got the unemployed workers, and you know the and boarded up shops, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you you have a, a system that means people have a need to accumulate it; they receive it from the, the government in, a, in terms of welfare payments. Um, they then. Uh, have to pay it back to the government in terms of taxes. They've got to accumulate it and things are being priced in both as well. So you get a combination of the two turning up and that adds to the overall demand in the economy. And so you get a, you, you boost up the level of demand so you get you know, more, you don't have as many unemployed workers many as many as many shuttered shops. Uh, and then you have... You see, you probably have uh, the government accepts, the government guarantees, and this is an important part of the stability of the system, the government guarantees it will always maintain a one-for-one parity between the borises and the pound. So for the government's point of view, one boris is worth one pound. Now, in the actual marketplace, it might be that one boris is worth 90p. Uh, in terms of how people value it, but it's still got a value, it won't fall too far below that parity level. Right. And that's that's the basic idea. Something of that nature to make I mean you've got to you get it provided by the state, you've got to use it to pay the state, and then it's an advantage to you, you accept payment of this from other people and Borises as well as pounds.
0: You get more business. Right. So if I if I do you keep on paying the same amount of Borises in tax then? Or does that tax Increase because the Boris is worth less. No, the tax remains is the same, and this is the encouragement. Right. It's worth
1: your while, code because if you pay, if you if you get to the point where you know one Boris is equal to one pound for the government in terms of paying taxes, and yet you, you can get that Boris for ninety p uh, by a commercial transaction, then that's going to encourage a certain level of demand for borises. Okay. Um, but if you didn't have that parity, that that linking of the two by the state and what it's willing to accept, then, yes, you could have the Boris falling to zero in value. Right. So the Boris – Which is so not a bad
0: idea in terms of Boris, but,
1: you know, Boris <laughs> this is a different story. So the
0: Boris, in, in effect, should be dragging down the value of the pound with it in that case over, over time. So that impetus to spend uh, – and, and it would be inflationary as well, wouldn't it? Which is which? Which you said is perhaps a good thing.
1: Well, that's the, but you, you want you 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 want this and yeah. this. You've got a depressed economy. You know, you try and cause economic activity to occur, uh, and you know. I mean, that's uh, like I, I want to see parallel currencies for other reasons because I think uh, we're going to use use the currency system to some extent to control our carbon mm. carbon overload. But you know, this system is is to, to take a depressed economy and get it back <laughs> to full employment using a currency which is. The encouragement to circulation is there because, and this is we're mixing the two, this is the EPM idea which doesn't have any demurrage built into it, but the other encouragement for using that money would be that if you don't use it, it becomes less valuable, um, so that's even more encouragement to spend in borruses, and you get more economic activity out of borruses than you get out of so- the pound.
0: So what is interesting is, I mean, there's there's two types of uh, people who aren't spending or, or who aren't spending in the general economy, and, the, and the, the, those people who are just hanging on to it because they're worried about their future, so they're keeping it in their bank accounts. And then there's those, then there's the mm-hmm. investors, the people who are buying, uh, inflating the, the the share market, and buying uh, government bonds. And here's the curious thing, because um, you know those those people buying bonds are losing value too, because uh, bonds are being issued with with government bonds with such low interest rates. Uh, you You know, many of them for a third of them anyway, at least, you know, with 30 year maturities over that time, allowing for inflation, even a very low inflation plus those because, you know, you pay bonds are, are basically paid back at the price you paid for them. Uh, some are indexing, but most aren't. And then you've got the low interest rates. The money that you get at the end is considerably less than the money that uh, you, you forked out for the things in the first place. So I, I'm just wondering if that, you know, is bond issuance going going down that road? Is that sustainable through, through all of this? I know it's sort of a slightly different question, but it's not, you know, people with money are not making a lot of money right now.
1: Well, this, this is where the, you know, the stuff we talked about beforehand about how do you pay with um – for bonds is important because then you've got to think this is money circulating on the asset side of the banking ledger, and you're creating the money by running a deficit. So you've 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 you've, you've given the cash for people to buy bonds. It's just whether it's worth them buying bonds versus holding them in reserves in the first place. That's that's the only question mark there. That's not not really an right. issue here.
0: Okay, so uh, we do this for a year. <laughs> we do our our boris for a year, and we see that push i mean it's not going to work right now is it It, you can only do it surely once you've got because the problem we've got right now particularly in the in the uk and the united states is it's hard to produce not only is the this shortage on the demand side there's obviously a shortage on the supply side because people can't get to work if you were to try and push for people to buy more when there's a limited supply you really are going to push up prices
1: yeah but i think the most important thing about that right now is showing a universal basic income works Because Mm. if you look at where people are, I mean, the the levels of debt in America have just gone through the roof, uh, private debt with this crisis. And I can actually pull up the figures. I've actually just been doing this recently. Um, There's been a huge increase in government debt, and that's what people are freaking out about. But if you look at the level of private debt, uh, it has risen in terms of percentage of GDP from when this crisis began in America from 150% of GDP at the end of 2020. Uh, It it has gone up in to 161%. Uh, in the middle the end of, 20- of
0: 2019 you mean from, yeah, this,
1: from the beginning end, end, yeah. end of end of 20 yeah beginning of 2020 to halfway yeah. through 2020 it's re- increased by 6% of by 11% of GDP. It's wow. huge. Nothing mm. like it's ever occurred before that includes the second world war. Um so you've got this uh, enormous increase in private debt. Coming out of the crisis because people have you know it's both corporations and households that are doing it. They're having to dip into their credit cards to pay their rent. Yeah. Okay. And that's 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 a negative. That's a negative sign of positive credit because it's not adding to spending power at all. Uh, it's, it's servicing your debts to the banking sector largely. Um, so you're becoming more indebted with no, with no stimulus to demand to, to help it out. So that's the situation we're in right now. And then in that situation, a, a universal basic income means you can pay your financial commitments and you can also buy those, you know, the
0: handful of goods and services you're buying during the lockdown. All right. So this would be – so this isn't necessarily just a short-term thing then. The, the idea that we have a, uh, another currency, which is in effect our, our distribution mechanism for universal basic income, uh, in perpetuity.
1: It could be. And what, what is beautiful about a UBI, you know, when you use a digital system to do it, is that it can be repurposed when that's no longer necessary. And I'm, and my, my, yeah. you know, I'm going to put my cards on the table. I want to repurpose this to control carbon consumption. When, when that becomes the major issue. But at the moment, you could use it to produce, you know, if, if you're doing the UK, you'd be getting pounds in that account. You could pay your rent with pounds. You could pay your mortgage with pounds. You could pay your, um, your mm. credit card payments. You could buy the goods and services with pounds. No problem at all. But one, if we, if we get COVID behind us, uh, then, when we get carbon in front of us, we could use exactly the same technology as a form of universal carbon credit, rather than use of a universal basic income.
0: Right, but I could see there could be a danger with this, though, that the government starts to take more control over how you spend your money. So we're saying we're giving you this money, you can only spend. You know, just as as you know, people have argued, well, people on welfare shouldn't be able to buy alcohol or cigarettes, for example. Oh. Do we start to say, well, okay, here's a universal basic income, but you can only buy these things with it?
1: And that's the sort of you – know, the Australian government uses it that way with Aboriginal communities, you know, for of social control uh, rather than a form of spending. Uh, and that's the sort of insanity you can get out of a government, uh, you know, which, which looks down upon the poor, which is what mm-hmm. most governments do. Um, so that, that's, that's, the, that's the problem uh, about the usage. But we have to have something – uh, because I think what we're going to find is we, we're doing all the stuff in the belief that the credit system is going to continue working really well forever. And it's worked really badly forever. And when, when we start getting climate change on a grand scale, most organisations are not going to be able to pay their
0: financial commitments at all. Uh, And we're going to need another form of non-credit-based money. Right. Look, you know, it's a brilliant idea. I'm I'm going to end on the note that you usually end on uh, by saying Ah. this. What a brilliant idea this is. There's absolutely no chance in hell that this will ever be taken up. There you go. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I've ended on a negative note just to save you the time of doing it um, <laughs> i catch you again next time Steve thank you Okay, Bye bye. it's worthy of some discussion isn't it instead all we hear in the mainstream media is discussion about how are we going to pay back this massive debt that the government's got uh, thank god we're here uh, that's it for this week I'm Phil Dobby back again with Steve Keane with another edition of the debunking economics podcast next week see you then